Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Haggai. We're going to continue going through the Old Testament, and we are almost done. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. It'll be on the screen. But we're going to go to Haggai chapter 1, starting at verse 2, and we're going to read through verse 6. When you're there, say, Amen. Two people? All right, we're starting. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> verse 2, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. You see, God presents his people then and now with a challenge of the heart. We learned last week that this little remnant of Israel had come back from exile, back to the promised land. And the first thing they did was be obedient to God. And they sacrificed to him. They worshiped. They built the foundations of the temple. And these guys knew God had set them free. I mean, he declared Cyrus, the king of Persia, to let them come back home. They were excited. It was everybody there. We're super stoked. But yet, we find them in this moment where God is challenging them about 10 to 16 years later. And the temple is still not built. Not even is it not built, but they're not even working on it. They were building their own houses and forgot about building God's temple. So we wonder what happened. What could happen to someone who's so on fire for God and so excited to serve him, and they, they start out well and with passion, and then time goes by, and then they're not even trying anymore. They're not even pursuing that deep walk with God. They're not renewed in their passion. Well, what happened to the Israelites is during construction of this temple, they had adversaries that lived around them. And if you want to know about who, who these people are, read 2 Kings chapter 17, if you're a note-taker. One person. All right, cool. So we'll continue. <laughs> so these people around them, they go up to Israel, and they're like, you know what? We serve God too, man. Like, we worship God. Let us build the temple with you. We'll do it together. And the Israelites, the leaders of Israel, knew something. They knew these people were not wholly devoted to God. They knew that they said they worship God, but yet they have a lot of other gods. They don't solely devote all of their priorities to God. He's just one of amongst that they pray and sacrifice to. So the Israelite leaders did something different because in the past, the Israelites did couple with the other nations, and that's what led them into exile because they got so into idolatry and looked like everyone around them that they forgot that they were chosen. They were supposed to be set apart from people around them. And so these leaders, they're like, you know what? No, thank you. We're going to do it differently. We're not going to do it the way our ancestors did it. We are going to serve God with all of our heart, with all our mind, and all of our strength. And so the adversaries, how do you think they felt? They did not like it. 
And so they started causing issues. They started trying to stop the work of the temple and, and whatever else they were doing. And even so much, they snitched on them. So they sent a letter to the king, the now king of Persia. And we're like, hey, guess what Israel's doing? They're building the temple. Tell them to stop. I don't want them to build the temple. This is wrong, okay? And so the king's like, you know what? Yeah, stop them. I give you authority. You shut them down. And so now the Israelites are like, we, we, we've got to stop or we're in danger for our lives. And real quick, this is just something that we can pull from there, is that God does call us to be different and look different and act different and think different, having the mind of Christ, all these things, right? And when you are personally pursuing God, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have rejection. You're going to have people go against you. You're not going to have the same friends that you had before you came to Jesus most of the time. And so when we do this, the world really could care less about us coming to church, could really care less about us being in our private prayer closet. It's when our lifestyle convicts their sin. When you are wholly devoted to God and the Holy Spirit is speaking through you and living through you and blessing other people, it convicts other people's hearts and minds and they know that they are not right with God. And that's what people don't like, is when you live it out in front of them, when you talk about Jesus in front of them. And so we as Christians can easily be put into this category or a box of, we're called Bible thumpers. Anyone ever been called a Bible thumper? Or a Jesus freak? Or what, holier than thou? That was a big one I grew up in a Pentecostal holiness church. If you were goody two-shoes, that's another one. You were, you were holier than thou. And that, them's fighting words, apparently from my family anyways. And so when we are actively following Christ, we must expect opposition from the world. And Jesus puts it this way. In John chapter 15, starting at verse 18, he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So what is that telling us? What is Jesus trying to relate to us? Well, he's saying do not feel defeated when it seems like everyone and everything else is against you because you are striving to follow Jesus. That's a sign you're following Jesus. And if you want to live a life where you want everyone to like you all the time and you're a people pleaser, don't follow Jesus. Do not be a Christian. Stop now. Leave. Like, don't do it. Count the cost, Jesus says, because following him is hard. And Jesus even said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. That you're going to have enemies in your own household. Parents aren't going to get along with kids. You're going to struggle with your neighbors because you are following Jesus. And that is completely opposite from most of the culture around us. And even James puts it like this. He says, even when you go through those trials and those tribulations, count it all joy. Because your faith, the testing of faith produces endurance. You're going through struggles. People are not liking you that you're following Jesus. Good. You're doing something right. Keep pressing on. Keep following Jesus. And so for us, church, we have a choice. We can do what we're supposed to do and follow God. And like we talked about Daniel, this is something amazing, is when his faith was outlawed, the guy still opened his windows and prayed. He was not ashamed. His faith was immovable. He was like a tree planted by the water. You're not going to stop him from serving God. Can we do that? Or do we follow in Israel's footsteps and we let fear and all these things and rejection decide for us if we follow God or not? 
So what Israel did, God, I mean, he was gracious. He gave him plenty of time, like 10, 16 years. Temple's still not built, and so he finally comes to him. And so you would think that God is just so loving, right? He just loves his people, and he's like, guys, you're not serving me. What's happening? Like, you built the foundation. That's great. Let's build on it, man. Like, come on. I love you, bro. Instead, he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Do you, do you forget who I am? Did you forget that I set you out? I delivered you out of Egypt. I have blessed you. I brought you to the promised land. You disobeyed me. I sent you into exile. I brought you back. You are to serve me first. Stop letting the culture around you and the people around you dictate your faith in me. Have I not proven myself enough? That's how he answered. And so for us, we have to remember that God set us free and he redeemed us for a purpose. To serve and glorify him. God doesn't set us free for no reason. He frees us and empowers us to serve him. And we seem to forget that, yes, God is for us and God does love you. But more than that, he, we are to serve him. We are to bring him glory. And he's not just your buddy buddy. Like, he is a holy God. He is above everything, stands above everything else, controls everything else. And when you pray to God, try to, try to have that, a little reverence, a little fear of God to recognize who he is. And if you don't know, get in your word. He's laid it out for you, exactly who he is and how powerful he is. And we think of that even, like, God even told Moses, like, you can't even look at me without dying, man. Like, we think we're, we're, we're some kind of righteous sometimes, and maybe you're, you're doing good in your Bible reading or whatever else, and you feel really close to God. Just let me tell you this. The angels who are around God can't even look at him. They cover themselves with their wings because of his sheer holiness, his sheer raw power, who he is. Scares them to death, right? They can't look at him. And so for us, we would die if we saw him. So we have to remember that fear of God. And like many of us today, we have to remember our place in God's kingdom as his servants. But thankfully, he doesn't just call us slaves and servants, but we are a royal priesthood through Jesus. We are adopted in the kingdom. We are sons and daughters of the king. Turn with me to uh, the next few verses, verse 12, same chapter. We'll read two verses, 12 and 13. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, say that five times fast, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. In the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. I am with you, declares the Lord. And as we follow God, he grants us with intimacy and peace. Because we can easily get discouraged when people are making fun of us, when we're facing trials and tribulations of all kinds. People can harass us for following Jesus, but let's be real for a second. Not very many of us, if any of us, are in danger of our lives if we serve God to the fullest. We are really blessed that we can meet freely and, and pray and worship and sing, and we have access to the Bible in all its forms, digital, whatever else, paperback. I mean, you got worship music everywhere on iTunes, whatever else. You can find it. If you want to get close to God, you have access. That's the amazing thing of living in our day. That is awesome. And so if we want to recognize that, and you want to look at Israel, and it's, it's really easy as we're going through Israel and get really judgy with them, because you see constantly, they mess up, 
God helps them out. They're messing up again. They fall into sin again. They fall into sin again. You're like, wow, you guys are stupid. Like, man, y'all are, no wonder God calls you sheep. Like, you were just not very intelligent. You, why don't you get it? But I want you to try to put yourselves into their shoes for a second and tell me what you would do. Now, these people, they're a tiny remnant from Persia, right, from the Persian Empire. They come back to their homeland. They start out well, but then they have to face their adversaries around them, these people that have lived there. So if they continue to build the temple, now they have to build a temple and fight off their enemies at the same time. Now that they're doing that, if word gets to the king, the new king of Persia, he can bring his armies and wipe them out. So that's their fear as well. So before we get too judgy-judgy with, why don't you listen to the Lord? Like, Well, because they had multiple armies to face if they followed through with what God was calling them to do. But something supernatural happened when God spoke through his prophet, when he told them and reminded them, that fear that, that went away, their intimacy came back, that peace came back because they remembered, oh yeah, if God is for us, who can be against us? There's, there's no army that can stay God's hands. There's no one that can wipe. If God has called us to do something, then I'm going to do it. I need to do it. God is declaring that it can be done, so there's nothing that can stop me in the process. And so the only way for us to remain on fire for God is to be filled up with his spirit daily. We have to recognize that we need him every single day. Not once in a while, not once in a week, not once in a quarter, but we need to be filled with God every single day. Because when we lose intimacy with God, we muffle our ears to hear his voice and our hearts to his purpose. If you're not spending time with God, if you're far from God, you're not going to hear what he has for you. The blessings he has for you and the work he has for you to do. And so when we feel distant from God... It's because there's something wrong with our intimacy with him. When we feel like everything around us is causing chaos within us, it's because we're looking at our situation to determine if we have peace or not. Israel could have easily done that. They could have looked at the armies and everything else like, God, I hear what you're saying, but bruh, do you see? Do you see what I'm going to have to deal with? Instead of looking at their situation, they remembered who God was that he had called them, and they allowed his supernatural peace to fill their lives and them to continue in their work, and so they did. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's got to be something you got to do, or you are going to miss the mark. It's going to be so much easier to fall into sin or so much easier to not do what God has called you to do if you are not focusing on Jesus, spending time with him, reading his word. And if you read through this, there's something amazing that happened because Haggai confronts the people, and the first ones to respond are the leaders of the community. They obeyed God first. And because the leaders obeyed, everyone else followed. They were an example to everyone else, and they proved their faithfulness in God. And so it's real salvation is coupled with works. No, you're not saved by works, but if you're saved, if you trust Jesus, you're going to bear fruit. It's going to happen. You're going to change the way you think. You're going to change the way you talk. You're going to change the way you act. You're going to turn your cheek when that person does not deserve it. All these things that just seem ridiculous, you are going to grow in. And so I wonder for us, what gifts and opportunities has God given you that you walked away from or you are currently walking away from? What is it that God put on your heart maybe 10 years ago, maybe 16 years ago, maybe when you were a little kid and you have walked 
away or you have not pursued it with your whole heart. Who has God called you to serve? Who has God called you to disciple? Are you building up the temple yourself? Are you spending time with Jesus? Are you leading your family? Men, are you leading your family? Listen to this. I just found this statistic. and says, according to data collected by Promise Keepers and Baptist Press, if a father does not go to church, even if his wife does, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper. Now, if a father does regularly go to church, regardless of what the mother does, between two-thirds and three-quarters of their children will attend church as adults. Lead your families, men. The statistics speak for themselves. One in 50 compared to 75%. That's a big, big difference. Is God call, are you leading the way God has called you to lead? Because honestly, what's going to matter 100 years from now? What's going to matter maybe 20 years for some of us, 30 years, 40 years, when you are face-to-face with Jesus? Is it going to be your job? Is it going to be fashion? Is it going to be wealth? Is it going to be your hobby? What is it going to be that you can use to excuse your actions on earth when Jesus called you to do something and you did not do it? What are you going to tell Jesus? Just, Lord, it wasn't time. It's just not a good time for me then. I don't, I don't know. You're going to be on your face, man. You're going to be on your face. Don't run from God's work in your life. And what I love about this situation with Israel, that God reminded them that he was going to be with them after they obeyed. Because the word says, Zerubbabel, they went and then they started working. And then God spoke through Haggai, I will be with you. For some of us, we just need to start obeying. We, we as Christians know that Jesus is not going to leave us as orphans. God has already declared that over us. He promises to be right there through every trial, through every tribulation, through every faith leap that you feel like you're going through. Jesus is walking right there with you. He is in the fire with you. Recognize that. Let's wrap up with these last few verses. Haggai chapter 2, starting at verse 6, and we'll read through 9. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea, and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. God declares that he gets, then and now, his present and his future glory. God will get his glory. And he's showing Israel like, hey guys, um, I'm always in charge. There's no one that overpowers me. There's no principality. There's no earthly ruler. There's no darkness. There's nothing on the land, nothing in the sea, nothing in the sky, whatever. Like, I created it all. Like, nothing can stop me from doing what, I've, what I want to do, what I've called you to do if I'm walking with you. And so he saves his people and he frees his people when they don't deserve it. And he blesses his people even when they fail him. I don't deserve God's grace most of the time. I don't deserve his blessings, but yet he continues to pour out on my life. Is anybody else that way? Does anyone else mess up every single day and God is still there with his grace and mercy helping you out? It's all right. I got you. I got you. You messed up. Let's do better. Trust me. Follow me. Get closer to me. So Israel, in this moment, they, they know 
what God has done in the past. And God has centuries of his fulfilled promises. Everything that he has said has been yes and amen thus far. And so he's like, I did it then. I'm going to do it now. And guess what? I'm going to do it again. I will always be on top. And so what's interesting is he tells them that this temple is going to be greater than the old temple. The glory will be. And as you're looking at that, when we saw the old temple, the dedication of it, what happened? It was filled with God's fire. Epic. That's awesome. Like, dedicating, Lord, this is your house. And like, fire from heaven. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, I'm not even looking. That's crazy. And God's like, My t- it's going to be greater than that. And what did he mean by that? Well, there's a couple ways. What first came to me is that this new temple would be the one that Jesus walked into. That the word became flesh, the savior of everyone, and he walked in this temple. He even flipped tables. He filled that temple. But more than that, because of what Jesus did, because of his perfect life, because of his sacrifice on the cross, that he, when, when he died on the cross, the curtain of the Holy Holies was torn. What did that represent? Well, that curtain kept you from the Holy of Holies, kept you from direct access to God. Because there was no way we could be good enough to meet with God one-on-one in his holy of holies without that once-a-year thing, the high priest going in. And then he even had to be forgiven of sin. But because of what Jesus did, we now have direct access to God. Direct access. That's awesome. Do you not understand how cool that is? Nobody's excited. Why are you not excited about this? You can talk to God freely whenever you want. Right now, tomorrow, in five minutes, you could be bored of me preaching and you're talking to God right now like, Lord, just shut him up, whatever. I don't know. But we have direct access to God because of what Jesus did on the cross. So when we have faith in Jesus, when we accept him into our lives, we can be filled with his Holy Spirit. That fire, that tangible fire can now live inside you continuously. And the amazing thing about that is because there are people out there in the world that will never come to a church. But they don't have to come to a temple because you have now become a walking temple. You can go out and love people that are going through depression, going through struggles. You can challenge people. You can bless people. You can pray for people and the miraculous can happen all because God is working through you. That is the future glory of the temple. It's you. You. Spending time with God, letting God flow through you in your words and actions, and setting people free. That's awesome. That is what God meant by that. And God has granted you time to pursue a deeper walk with him than, honestly, than you could imagine. Than you could imagine. And God's called you to do something. He's called you to fulfill his will. And maybe you're like, you know what, that's awesome. Um, But where do I start? What is God's will for my life? You could be trying to figure that out, like, what is it that I'm supposed to do here now that I'm filled with God's Spirit? Well, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. It's going to be on the screen. Verse 15 says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. By doing good through the power of the Holy Spirit and using his freedom from sin and that personal destruction, we can silence the skeptics and watch people's hearts transform in front of our eyes because we're trusting God, we're following God. Let that be 
what people can hold against you. Like with Daniel, they couldn't, they couldn't mess him up that he was a bad worker or, you know, he, did, he wasn't faithful to his authority or government, whatever. Like, he did everything he was supposed to do. And the only thing they could tag on this guy was that he's a faithful servant of God. Let that be your testimony. You are a hard worker. You love people. You turn the other cheek. You do everything God's called you to do. And so that's what they can't stand about you is because you are a Jesus freak. You are a Bible-thumping, holy Jesus freak. Own it. Own it. Jesus died so you could be that. So you could walk in his power. You could walk in his authority. You could walk in his love. Don't be ashamed of the gospel and don't compromise it. Release it. Let people know. Live it out. Tell people about Jesus. And if you're not walking in this way, what's keeping you from it? What fear what rejection, what opposition are you going through that is stopping you from fulfilling what God has called you to do? What will it take for you to really abide in Christ? What will it take for you to be excited to read God's word, excited to pray, excited to love people? Do, you, do we all have to go through tragedy and chaos and loss and all this destruction before we turn to God? Don't let that be us. Let us do it before we have to go through all the fires and the trials. Like, Just do it now. Do it now and watch how God transforms people in front of you. Because ultimately, we are cheating ourselves out of God's favor and blessings when we don't do that. So I would challenge you, don't settle for just a good relationship for Jesus, with Jesus, when you can have a great one. You can have a magnificent relationship with Jesus. You want to hear God's voice? Get closer to his mouth. Get closer. Get closer. You can listen to him a lot better when you're right there. Don't be so far from God. Don't be afraid. Trust him and follow him. And don't focus on all your to-dos and forget about spending time with Jesus. That's got to be your top priority in your life. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.